This is the Design Spark Podcast. Yes, that's right. The Design Spark Podcast. Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain. We are the presenters, so you'll be entertained as we talk about tech and we have a good laugh about the past and the present and the future and stuff. This is the Design Spark Podcast. Welcome to the Design Spark podcast, where we explore the past, present, and future of some of the hottest topics in tech. I'm Dr. Lucy Rogers, the inventor with a sense of fun. I'm Beck Hill, the stand-up with a sense of pun. And I'm Harriet Brain, the musical historian. <laughs> it still doesn't rhyme. <laughs> in this episode, we'll be taking a look at the future of transport to answer the most important question of them all. Dude, where's my hoverboard? (laughs) Good point, Beck. What has happened to all the futuristic transport we were promised in the movies? It's time for facts. It's time for facts. Fact time! It's time for facts. Do you want some facts? I want some facts. Well, that's lucky because it's fact time. The bicycle is considered to be the most energy-efficient vehicle that's ever been invented. What's the least most energy efficient? Least most. <laughs> least most. <laughs> what is the least? It's got to be something weird, isn't it? Like a car powered by Marmite or something that takes <laughs> loads of fat. Hamster energy. wheel. Yeah, all the hamsters, which seems fine, but then you think about how much it costs to feed the hamsters. That wasn't actually... They've got big cheeks, don't they? Big cheeks. Wasn't actually the answer. It's not the answer. That's not actually the answer. Okay. Now, the, the, the least... What is the least most energy efficient? The least most, probably, is, was made by NASA. Well done, NASA. (laughs) It's the crawler transporter that was used to move the shuttle from one bit to another bit. The crawler transporter. The crawler transporter. I'm just imagining a giant baby. Crawler. (laughs) It was was similar. (laughs) With a rocket on its back. It's got a baby with a rocket tied to its back. Okay. We've all had a drink. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know the dimensions of the rocket boosters for the space shuttle are the same as that for a horse and cart? Really? Well, it had to fit on the roads and the rail which is based on Roman roads, and so every upgrade and every car has then been worked on on horse and car. Fascinating. I thought for a second you were going <laughs> to say that it was the same height as a horse and cart because we have to send a horse and cart into space. <laughs> How else will we get around on the moon? Ah, the Russians have probably done it. <laughs> how, how much horsepower did the space shuttle actually have? Five. Horses. Five horses? Any advance? On? Surely it's more than five. So horsepower is the the power at which it. What type of horse are we talking about? Because different. I, Clydesdale very different to a Shetland pony. What's a Clydesdale? Well, it's similar to the Lloyd's <laughs> the Lloyd's the Clyde, horse. The Clydesdale is the one that carries all the beer. That's the important horse. Isn't that a Shire <laughs> or a Shire? Oh yeah. Where'd you get Clydesdale from? That is a horse. Can I? I'm going to ask the audience. <laughs> Clydesdale, a horse, yeah. Yes. It doesn't carry beer. Yes. yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, How much beer-carrying capacity did the space shuttle <laughs> I, I, uh, I get quite gassy after beer, so I could have a lot of beer. That would power a space shuttle. Harriet. Yeah? Any advance on five? Well, what, what's a normal amount of horse... I don't even well, one, I don't, one, I don't know anything about horsepower. One horse has one horsepower. Oh, God, I don't know, ten then. 
<laughs> Hypothetically, doesn't that mean that if if we got if we taped ten horses together, we could get to taped. the moon? <laughs> I I miss working with engineers. <laughs> the space shuttle had thirty-seven million horsepower. Oh wow, that's a lot of tape. What? <laughs> That's just a ridiculously... I can't... Anyway, another one. Prior to the first human flight in a hot air balloon in 1783, a flight took place with animal passengers, including a sheep, duck and a rooster. Oh, I know this one. I know this one. Um, You leave the... (laughs) Leave the the rooster with the sheep (laughs) and then hot air balloon the duck. (laughs) Anyway, their flight lasted about eight minutes. Do you know what I love about that? Two of those have wings. (laughs) <laughs> the sheep was probably like crapping itself it's probably like it's not very well for you guys I'm, I, I mean I'm gone as soon as this goes down yeah. and sheep are It'll very turn easily cloud. startled oh, <laughs> that's how clouds were invented isn't it yeah yeah it was sheep in hot air balloons <laughs> These are just facts. As we know from today's political climate, facts are useless. So, Beck, do you have any thoughts on the future of transport? Do I? Then everyone, please put your hands together for Beck Hill. So everyone seems very excited about the introduction of autonomous vehicles, but not me. Not me, because I grew up on Thomas the Tank Engine. We have been literally training for autonomous vehicles our entire lives. And I think it's amazing. I think that's the one thing that is missing from autonomous vehicles at the moment. Uh, Faces. (laughs) I think that's why... I think the reason they haven't been given faces so far is so that we don't fall in love with them. Because then everyone might try and kiss them. And I don't know if you've ever tried to kiss something that's coming towards you at 65 miles per hour, but it's very dangerous. I've seen the movie Her. I understand how it works. Little Joaquin Phoenix getting his little heart broken. I don't like how we've started calling them driverless cars. Um, I think driverless vehicles is very vague. I think most things don't have a driver. You could technically classify most things as driverless. In fact, the only thing that isn't driverless are professional golfers. <laughs> that is the most Radio 4 joke you will get in this entire series. I can't wait for autonomous vehicles because I can't drive and I think it might be safer than getting minicabs or taxis, but then I realise that that's because I'm assuming that the person owning all of the autonomous taxis in the future will not be a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Because face it, like, can you imagine what it would be like if suddenly all the Teslas carrying women just rerouted and went to Elon Musk's house? <laughs> can you imagine it? Like, genuinely, if I was Elon Musk, I would do that. I would definitely do that. I'd just be standing there in my pants. <laughs> just singing, my Tesla's bringing all the girls to the yard and they're like, let me out of these cars. And I'm like... You'll stay in those cars. Gonna take you all the way to Mars. Beck Hill, everybody. Do you want to know how segues work? Mm? Are you insulting my presenting abilities? (laughs) 
We all know that if you close your eyes and lean forward and keep leaning and keep leaning, eventually you automatically take a step to stop yourself falling over. Or headbutt someone. <laughs> well, a segue does the same. Headbutts people. <laughs> but do you know just how a segue stays up? It's Viagra, isn't it? <laughs> it's Viagra. You've probably worked out that a segue uses some sort of sensors to work out which way it's leaning and some motors to adjust its angles in response. I didn't work that out, but thanks for it. Thank you for that. <laughs> These sensors are actually little gyroscopes Ooh. from which the Segway can tell its exact pitch, making it more advanced than any member of Take That. <laughs> Hang on, sorry, can I just add a joke? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that's why he's saying... Wait, I've forgotten the voice. <laughs> <laughs> which song, which song? The, well, I'll give away the punchline, but you have to pretend that you didn't hear it. So the, is it I'm seeing angels or I'm searching? I'm loving angels. I'm loving them. That's why Robbie sang, I'm loving angles instead. <laughs> but what you might not know is that a Segway responds more than it needs to and works by something called overcorrecting. Is that like, uh, like on the one show when they go from a feature about assisted dying to one about goats that can skateboard really quick, really quickly? <laughs> Similar, uh, the Segway uses something called fuzzy logic. And no, no, it's it's not my name. (laughs) No, instead, a system tells the wheels to go forward a bit, stop, right a bit, stop. Hmm, let's try again, back a bit, stop. Rather than the non fuzzy, move forward four centimeters. Goodness, (laughs) I'm still thinking about how what what my burlesque act would be if I was fuzzy logic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Fuzzy Logic! Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> Amazingly, in the Segway, the positions of the sensors are checked about 100 times a second, which is a bit like me on my phone after I tweet a joke. <laughs> so all this means that whilst we're enjoying a smooth and smug riding experience, the Segway is furiously calculating and whirring away in a perpetual game of trying not to fall over. And that is how a Segway stays up. <laughs> You with your fancy transport. It's nothing new, it's been around for ages. In fact, archaeological evidence suggests that the wheel was, get this, not first invented for purposes of transport. Instead, they were created to serve as potter's wheels around 3,500 years BC, about 300 years before one fell over and some poor ancient Greek fellow had to chase it down a hill before falling into a bath and shouting Eureka. (laughs) Hang on, no, I think I've I've got my my Greeks a bit mixed up. Um, What I'm trying to say is that the history of transport is all about trial and error and accidents. Even the great Isambard Kingdom Brunel had to fail a few times. (laughs) Like Like that time he tried to develop an engine that ran on power generated from alternately heating and cooling carbon dioxide made from... Ammonium carbonate and sulfuric acid. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> so obviously that wouldn't work. <laughs> Isn't bad. <laughs> um, we can also thank Brunel for making the town of Swindon what it is today. <laughs> a place that makes you grateful for Reading. <laughs> Thanks a bunch, man. If we look at the history of flight, we find countless Renaissance men who built themselves wings and died trying to use them. 
Sort of like an unregulated 16th century Red Bull Birdman competition. (laughs) Unfortunately, they were all 400 years too early for the Darwin Awards. We could avoid all these nasty speed and height-related accidents and get everything we need from transport today simply by bringing back the noblest of all forms of mobility. The donkey. (laughs) Horse, fine, horse, whatever, whatever you like. We could clean up the atmosphere, make fun loud noises, and and most importantly, we could provide a much-needed boost to the carrot industry. (laughs) I mean, let's face it, the roads are only going to become worse as the country falls into a Brexit-induced ruin, so cars are going to have to go. Plus, car crashes remain the leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 24 around the world. Of course, I'm 27, so I don't really care. (laughs) And the point is, I want a donkey. (laughs) And that concludes my very comprehensive history of transport. Lucy, we should start a five-month research project to calculate the likelihood of future transport improving our lives. Or maybe just use your RS time machine? What? My my RS time machine, available from all good component catalogues, stock number 225-8172. Oh, can I please come this time? No, we still need you to wait here in case we bump into anyone else with the same voice as you in the future. <laughs> to the future! <laughs> What kind of future transport is this? Passenger cabin of a hypersonic aircraft. It's amazing. And we teleported into first class. Sweet. Robot flight attendant, get me the finest sparkling beverage in the world. That'll be a Foster's, please. (laughs) Please fasten your gravity restraints for takeoff. We wish you a pleasant journey. We have arrived at our destination. What? I barely got through four cans. <laughs> oh, look, a Hyperloop train. Can we try that instead? Definitely. And thanks to Superfast Future Passport Control, only available within the EU, we can get straight on it. That's really convenient because I am busting for a wee. Welcome aboard. Yes, it's me again. I get paid by the minute, so fast travel means I need 50 different jobs. Yay. <laughs> Stand clear of the closing door, please. Right, time for the loo. Now arriving at Station 3 Gamma. Ah, oh, come on! I barely got a thimble fall out there. I carry thimbles everywhere. For this very purpose of measuring my wee. Maybe fast travel isn't all bad. But Lucy, what if transport becomes super fast and reliable and that means I can no longer blame it for being late to everything? Sorry, Beck, but compared to the billions of hours of travel time humans will save, your moaning is No, wait, you don't understand. I'm going to lose all my friends. That means you'll be my only friend. So I'll be round your house, breaking your inventions, deleting your Netflix watch list, licking all of your... Wait, wait, wait. I need to use the time machine. I'm back. Welcome to the Southern Rail Hyperloop to Africa, my 20th job of the day. <laughs> I'm so happy I'm all yayed out. Our arrival time is 20 seconds. Lucy, you didn't change anything. Just wait. I went back in time to give Hyperloop technology to a British train company. We regret to announce that today's journey has been cancelled due to something so avoidable I'm almost too embarrassed to tell you. <laughs> 
there will be a replacement bus service to your destination. <laughs> which will be delayed due to there being no roads. <laughs> Yay! Our work here is done. <laughs> Do you have fun there without me in the future? Yes. <laughs> I've got some symbols for you, though. <laughs> oh, are they full? <laughs> and now it's time to check the mailbox to see what ideas our listeners have had for the future of transport. At Dr Claire Murray says, I want an invisible floating bed to minimise the time spent out of bed, of course. <laughs> How high does it float? That's my question. Uh, does she float? What if it goes too close to the sun? <laughs> Lazy Icarus. Or <laughs> um, that wax holding that bed together. <laughs> A waxy invisible bed. When travelling by train, at Sue Curd would like a virtual tour guide that told her about the landscape she was travelling through. Oh, that's lovely. I've had that once. I was on a train up to Aberdeen and I sat next to a woman who was an archaeologist and every site we went past where there was like little divots in the hills and stuff, she was explaining to me like what had been there originally and what was built on it. I mean, I'm Aww. assuming she was right. I mean, <laughs> could have just been like, oh yeah, see that's where the Wombles live? And I'd be like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Atsu Archer 6 has asked for public transport that was fully accessible for all, ran frequently and reliably, and had realistic, useful timetables. That, or a teleporter. <laughs> to be fair, I think the teleporter would be easier to achieve. <laughs> would you use a teleporter? Uh, oh, it would depend how it works. Like, what if it malfunctioned and I ended up, like, teleporting, like, with a wall halfway between me? Like a Beck sandwich with a wall between, right down the middle. Right down the middle. Yeah. Or if you teleported to the toilet but there's already someone on there. <laughs> so you'd rather die with a wall down you than die of embarrassment? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how long I've been in Britain. <laughs> You know what, guys? All this inventorizing has given me a big idea! Oh, no. Before I tell you about my invention, Lucy, Harriet, mm. have you ever been running late for coffee with friends and wish you could get there quicker? I don't run late. I don't have friends. <laughs> okay, but imagine you were running late to see your friends who exist for the purposes of this scenario. Can they exist for other scenarios too, like birthdays? Sure. <laughs> so imagine your friends are waiting for you. Is this your invention? Imaginary friends? No, okay. So say you're going on holiday. You're, you're going, going on, on holiday. holiday. <laughs> right, I'm going to talk to the audience instead. <laughs> right, so give me a cheer if you've ever wanted to get somewhere quickly. Well, I've invented a pair of shoes that will get you to your destination faster than any type of transport currently available. What are they? Jet-powered? Electric? Magnetic? Long. <laughs> They're long shoes. <laughs> TM. Harriet, how far away is your place from this theatre, do you think? About, what a guess. 3.61 miles. <laughs> okay, so a uh, UK size 7 women's shoe is 25.1 centimetres long. And the size goes up roughly every 0.85 centimetres. 
So if we take 3.6 miles, translate it into kilometers, minus 25.1 centimeters, then divide it by 0.85 centimeters, and then add seven, we know that you just need to buy my long shoes, TM, in size 681,183.471. And then you're home. Wow. No, not wow. Very unwow. Harriet would still be here. Yes, technically, but she would also be home. Her foot would just be in the door. Thanks to my long shoes, TM, she could actually be in two places at once. Why did I even bother coming here then? I could have done this from home. No, we still wouldn't have been able to hear you. Ah, that's where my other invention comes in. If you say a long microphone... Long microphones! TM. And where would people store these long things, Beck? You thought about that? Of course I have, Lucy. I'm a professional. So my third invention is a special kind of wardrobe. Is it a long wardrobe, by any chance, Beck? No, don't be stupid, Lucy. The wardrobe isn't long. Thank goodness. It's tall. <laughs> So you just store all of your long things up. So it's space-saving, isn't it? So will you invest? Absolutely not. Harriet? Definitely. Take all my money. Excellent. Audience? Yay! Yay! (laughs) A round of applause, please, for Beck's big idea. Wait. It sounds like someone or something is inside our time machine. Let me go see what what it is. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, a drone. Thank you. Uh, It's actually Adrian, not a drone. My name is Adrian. Uh, I think your time machine is broken. It uh, travelled geographically instead of uh, timographically. It came to France and uh, picked me up. I thought, wow, Uber's really pushing the envelope with this. <laughs> so I got in. And uh, so now I'm here, I may as well tell you, um, sing you a song about the history of the drone. The year is 1907. The quadcopter is a new invention by three French guys, one with a Nobel Prize. It's Charles Richet. We have mixed feelings about it because of the eugenic stuff. <laughs> Ten years pass and before too long, we've stumbled into World War One, and someone invents remote-controlled flight. Oh my gosh, it's a bit useless. I'll never see his combat. These are the milestones of the drones. These are the milestones of the drones. Guess what's next is World War II. The remote-controlled planes finally put to use by guess who? We, the Germans. Quelle surprise. (laughs) But what about drones in times of peace? Weapons became toys in the 1960s. The cost of the technology went down and down. Bit like my toy aeroplanes. These are the milestones of the drones. These are the milestones. But we're not in for a peaceful ride Next up, we have the first drone strikes In 2002, the CIA strike down Bin Laden Or do they? 
It turns out that they've got the wrong guy Can't trust those little eyes in the sky Maybe we should give drone warfare a rethink, no? <laughs> Idiots, these are the milestones of the drone These are the milestones of the drone some excellent news in 2010 This song might just have a happy end French company Parrot Enjoy a great success mm, Très bien <laughs> The Parrot AR drone is a massive hit They sell over half a million units Just keep them away from Jeff Bezos And Gatwick And the CIA These are the mainstays drones and did you notice it's also a drone in the musical sense as well very clever <laughs> thank you I've been Adrian so what have we all learned today I don't really do learning what about you Harriet I agree learning's overrated well, I've learned that we could be in for a very interesting future. But we've already been to the future, Lucy, and it was terrible. No, Beck, thanks to the many worlds theory, that was just one possible option. All right then, John Ketley. <laughs> Why not give us your forecast? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Dr Lucy Rogers! <laughs> Let me transport you to the future. The year is 2119. Humans have perfected the art of flying, like a cannonball. <laughs> Let's say you want to get to the other side of town. Instead of getting the bus or the tube and having to put up with all those annoying little things like other passengers, you instead dive into a soft, marshmallow-like pod that moulds itself around your body in a cocoon of shock-absorbing relaxingness. <sighs> Next, you simply think of your destination and the computer plots the most relaxing course whilst piping the sounds of Hugh Jackman whispering sweet nothings in your ear. Mmm, Jackman. <laughs> of course, all this is to try and distract you from the fact that the pod is rolling towards a giant hole in the ground, which is actually an advanced maglev catapult. Think of it as a blend between the thing that launches fighter jets from aircraft carriers, Japanese bullet trains, and that toy where you put iron filing whiskers on the bald man's face. <laughs> Your pod is then thrown upwards like a marble in a pinball machine, but instead of lights and bells, you're bathed in soothing pinks and the sound of baby whales calling to their mother. It's okay, baby whale. I'm here. <laughs> and after a few moments of serene parabolic flight, you smash into the wall. Made of jelly. Or at least a highly advanced material that both absorbs the energy from the impact and smells like blackcurrant. <laughs> Finally, your pod dribbles down the wall like a raindrop trickles down a window on a lazy spring morning, melting away as it reaches the ground, leaving you refreshed, 
relaxed and ready for your next meeting. Which is a shame, really, because I'd really hoped that meetings would be extinct by then. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my forecast for the future of transport. And with that, we've reached the end of the show. But there's just time for some listener messages. Dominic from Norwich writes in to say he's excited about the upcoming environmentally conscious Fast and the Furious spin-off starring Vin Biodiesel. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Samantha phones in to say her son's so advanced, he started driving at eight. Unfortunately, he crashed at (laughs) 8.15. Jimmy from Darlington emails us with a warning that thieves are breaking into keyless cars using computers. There's no special software. They just chuck a computer through the windscreen. (laughs) (laughs) So there we have it. We've explored the future of transport. I've made a very strong case for owning a donkey. And I've decided we just need long shoes, TM. (laughs) So thanks everyone for listening and we look forward to you travelling with us to the next episode of the Design Spark Podcast. The Design Spark Podcast starred Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill and Harriet Brain. It was written by the cast with additional material from Stu Cooper, Stephen Mulwiney and Daniel Page. Stephen Mulwiney wrote the sketch and Matthew Timms, Michael Monkhouse and Darren Ross the listener messages. The show was a Wide at the Chicken production recorded live at the Rosemary Branch Theatre by Andy Partington from Swift Professional Audio. Becky Singh was creative consultant, the script editor was Stu Cooper and the executive producer Daniel Page. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes and tell your friends.